Good morning, everybody. It's Andrew, the mistress of pop culture. Happy Friday. We made it through another week. <laughs> uh, I hope you all had a great week, of course. And if you didn't, then I'm hoping that, uh, you know, my my catalog, my library of work, uh, put a smile on your face because then I'll have known that I have done my job. And that's, you know, why I do what I do because I love doing it. Um, but it's 3 a.m. here in L.A. Uh, I usually record my episodes the night before because I like to sleep in, but I couldn't really sleep tonight and I didn't really have a chance to record um, uh, Thursday night because I had some stuff going on. So I'm just recording it now because, as I say, there's no time like the present. And, you know. But anyways, uh, I started off today's episode with um, one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite moments from the Twilight series, uh, Breaking Dawn Part 2, when... Bella becomes a vampire, the vampire transformation, which is like literally one of the most beautiful, um, I think one of the most beautiful moments of the entire series. I love Twilight. Not as much as I love Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, but like it's up there. It's probably my third favorite. Um, no, it's probably my fourth because I love Harry Potter and then Lord of the Rings. Um, then, oh my God, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, uh, um, What's Oh, Hunger Games, the Hunger Games series, and then Twilight. But they're all, you know, featuring powerful, badass gals. Um, but that's anyways, I decided to use that number to start today's episode off because our first story has to do with the one and only gorgeous, lovable Robert Pattinson himself. And I'm sorry you've heard the news, but I'm going to read the news to you and then we're going to dissect it. And if it's new news for you, then, well, I'm glad I'm reporting it to you. Um, and it's also, uh, you know age-old age lesson to uh, be very, very careful in these crazy times that we're living in, uh, you know. But anyways, uh, is there anything else I want to share with you? No, I mean, there's not much new, that it, not, nothing, not that much new, exciting stuff. In my, I mean, whatever, there is, but I'm not going to get into it. Um, actually, you know, something I will share with you is that I went to dinner last night, which was really exciting, and it was my first time dining out at a restaurant in L.A. I went to, when I was home last month, I, of course, went to a restaurant with my bestie, um, Paige, but this is my first time in LA going out to eat and it was outside and it was, um, it was an interesting experience. It was, I was like so nervous. I was drinking so much wine. I had Whispering Angel Rosé, which is literally one of my favorites. So that sort of eased the nerves that I had, but I was in good company and, uh, the food was great. So shout out to the nice guy on uh, La Cienica Boulevard in LA. They did a really good job and I felt very safe and they totally were adhering to every protocol, which is, you know, can't ask for more than that. Um, but anyways, aside from that, let's, let's hop into our, uh, four stories of the day. The first story is actually really shocking news, kind of scary, sad. Um, it was, it, the news broke on deadline.com that the Batman, the new film with Robert Pattinson, uh, production was halted because there was a, a member of the crew that had, um, been, uh, diagnosed or test, tested positive for coronavirus, COVID-19. And today we found out that it was Robert Pattinson, who was the Batman himself, the lead of the film, who tested positive. So I'm going to read this to you. Um, with filming on um, Matt Reeves, the Batman having only resumed three days ago after pausing for five and a half months or five and a half months ago, the UK production at Warner Brothers, uh, Leaves Den has stopped again after one of the people on the production turned up positive with COVID-19. Deadline has confirmed that the star, Robert Pattinson, is the member of the production team who tested positive for the virus, said Warner Brothers this morning about the situation. A member of the Batman production has tested positive for COVID-19 and is isolating in accordance with established protocols. Filming is temporarily paused. No further information was provided by the studio 
in protecting their workers' privacy. Um, Vanity Fair was the first to report Robert the patents in news Thursday. I wonder how they found out. I'm sure it was somebody, a snitch. I love me a snitch, but, you know, this is something that probably, you know, Robert, I'm sure, wanted to keep hush-hush. But we live in an, the digital age, and it's very hard to keep things silent. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, sorry. So the uh, Vanity Fair was the first to report the patents in news Thursday. Warner Brothers did not respond to requests for comment on whether Pattinson was, quote, the member of the Batman production it referred to in its earlier statement, unfortunately. This is part of the new world of shooting feature films during the pandemic and the extra precautions and steps that are required to continue shooting. Universal recently denied that a positive COVID-19 case during the UK's shoot of Jurassic World Domination has stalled shooting. The production continues to run strong on day 60. Wow, that's exciting. I can't wait to see that because, by the way, um, not only am I like such a big fan of uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt, um, Laura Durr is going to be back in it, and I believe... Um, uh, Jeff Goldblum is going to be back too. Is that his name? Jeff Goldblum? Something Goldblum. Jerry? Jeff. The guy who was in the original series. I'm super excited. I think he was in the last one too, but, um, anyways, uh, following Batman's initial shutdown, Reeves told Deadline that he had a quarter of the movie in the cam that said he delivered a teaser with a lot of stuff at DC Fandom recently for the October 1st, 2021 release. Reportedly, Reeves, um, has another three months to shoot. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a scary, tricky virus, and anybody can contract it, and nobody's immune to it, and that's sort of what's really interesting about COVID-19 is that we're all in this literally place where anyone can contract it, so I wish Robert Pattinson a speedy recovery. I hope everyone else on the set is really healthy and safe, and um, I hope he has a quick, healthy recovery. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I can say, uh, and everybody wear your masks and wash your hands, because literally, it's tricky virus something that we don't know too much about um and I'll, i'm gonna rewatch all the twilights again too and if you are too then like go us because literally twilight forever oh, i always wonder this too like whose power would you want like i always think about this when i watch the x-men series because i love x-men i always want obviously i want to be gene gray i want to be class 5 mutant but with twilight i think i'd want um ashley green's power um and ashley green played uh who did she play? Not Renesmee's the daughter. Rosemary? No. She's the sister. You, you know which one she is. She's the short hair with Jasper. She can see the future. Love her. Or I don't want to be a Volturi. So I could be like in charge. I'd be like, hey. Anyways, that's just me. Okay. Second story of the day. Um, e! News. Caitlyn Jenner um, on divorce, transitioning, and more five big admissions from Rob Lowe's podcast. Well, I love a podcast. I didn't know Rob Lowe had a podcast, so this is exciting, and this is something I'm definitely gonna have to take a listen to. (coughs) Excuse me. Caitlyn Jenner isn't holding back. For an all-new episode of Literally with Rob Lowe, Caitlyn sat down with a podcast namesake Rob Lowe and opened up on a variety of topics. Throughout the hour and 20-minute episode, the retired Olympian turned reality TV legend, um, touched on everything from her transition to her divorce from Keeping Up with the Kardashians matriarch Chris Jenner. The, um, sorry, as E. Reader may recall, uh, back in t- April 2015, Caitlyn came out as transgender. In a 2020 interview with Diane Sawyer by June 2015, Caitlyn debuted her name for a historic Vanity Fair cover. Oh my god, I literally was living for that cover. I remember exactly where I was, um, in April 2015, when that interview with Diane Sawyer came out um, for 2020, I was driving to the Grove in LA. I was going to see the Age of Adeline with some friends. 
um, at the movie theater at the Grove. Like, literally, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. It, 2015 was a really good year. I said that, like, very recently. I don't know why it was a really good year. Okay, anyways. Uh, sorry, by June 2015, Caitlin debuted her name for a historic Vanity Fair cover. Quote, I'm just going to live life. I'm going to enjoy life. I have nothing left to hide. I am kind of a free person, a free soul, she revealed at the time. While Caitlin is determined to live life authentically, her journey has certainly had some highs and lows. Read Caitlin's most candid comments for the podcast by scrolling through. Okay, well, sorry, you're not scrolling through. I'm scrolling through. I wasn't actually going to read that. But okay, number one, on her identity struggles growing up. Quote, I was never comfortable with my identity, even as a young kid. Caitlin reflected, parents would leave. I was fascinated by my sister's clothes, never comfortable in my own shoes, fascinated with all that stuff. But you'd keep your mouth shut, you know? As she continued, Caitlin reminded Rob that this was the, quote, 50s and 60s. It wasn't even a word back then. The I Am Kate star stated, so I found ways to distract myself from those feelings, per... Caitlin, the struggle with her identity is why she turned to sports. While becoming an Olympian was, quote, a great way to prove your manhood, Caitlin admitted her identity struggle was always there. Number two, confronting her true self. Quote, for about four and a half years, I just tried my best to deal with it, Caitlin expressed. Honestly, I thought I would transition before I'm 40. Continuing on the subject, Caitlin revealed that she underwent hormones and electro... Uh, electro electrolysis i can't even say the word but you know what i'm talking about um electrolysis there we go sorry it's been a really long day and i'm really tired um at this point caitlin said the media began to notice a change in her appearance quote i would i would cross dress and go out but i never ever talked to anybody she added i never talked to anybody never did anything never went anywhere just drove around you know i got pretty good at it so i never got caught while Caitlin was confronting her identity at this time. She noticed that it caused her to be absent, an absent parent. Those years, I was not a good parent, Caitlin shared. I had four kids. I was too busy struggling with my own issues and my own self. Uh, I very much regret that, that I wasn't there more for my young kids. However, as her 40th birthday drew closer, Caitlin said that she chose to take a step back from her transition plan that long after this, she met Chris. Wow. Number three on divorcing Chris. Quote, this is really interesting. This is what I wanted to read um, to you guys. Quote, after 23 years, Chris and I went our separate directions. My identity, it was not big of a part of us separating, Caitlin explained. There was many other, there were so many other bigger issues out there. Yet, Caitlin did acknowledge that the... Frustration with her. Sorry. That the frustration with myself caused her to be, quote, a little bit shorter with her near the end. She continued, then all of a sudden, we didn't have any issues. You know, we just, you know, it was calm. After agreeing to go their separate ways, Caitlin confessed that it was Chris who found her home. Quote, she even found the place. She decorated the place. She did everything in Malibu, Caitlin said. And she said, I want you to feel comfortable. And that was it, you know? Her house in Malibu, Caitlin's house, is just, it's like above the clouds. It's one of the most beautiful houses I've ever seen in photos. I've never seen it in person, but it's like on the top of a hill in like the the Palisades, if you know what I'm talking about, but sort of the mountains overlooking the water in Malibu. It's literally a house for a queen. Um, working, but you know. Um, okay, number four, harassment from the paparazzi. During what should have been a peaceful and transformative time, Caitlin found herself routinely harassed by the paparazzi. Quote, I would have four or five of them outside the gate. As soon as I came out, they would start following you. She lamented. I mean, I had helicopters flying over. It was just horrible. Caitlin went on to recall how tabloids turned her into a spectacle, writing, quote, all sorts of stupid stuff. She recalled, 
um, quote, going to the grocery line and there's some woman's body with my head on top and my kids got to see this. Nobody knew what's going on and they're all wondering. Um, it was just literally hell. Ugh, that's just terrible. Uh, number five, Kim's reaction to the spelling of her name. Um, according to Caitlin, prior to selling on her name, she had considered Heather as a moniker. Oh, interesting. Even after a 2020 interview, Caitlin was still struggling to pick her name. Caitlin settled on the name she now uh, has, she has now, after her assistant suggested it. The name Caitlin just happened to be um, on the top of the American Athletes list. Speaking of her name, Caitlin revealed stepdaughter Kim Kardashian's reaction to the spelling. She goes, quote, oh my god, what do I call you? I said, well, my name is Caitlin. And she goes, Good, you stayed with the K's. Caitlin remembered. I went, no, I'm going with a C. Yes, I had to bring it to her easily. I said, there's got to be a little separation between church and state. As Caitlin hilariously noted, if she went with a K spelling, the media would have gone crazy. I love that. I love that. I love that Caitlin Jenner is being so candid and open about everything. And it's really wonderful to sort of understand what she was going through. Uh, maybe that those seasons of keeping up when um, Caitlin wasn't so present. Bruce at the time, but Caitlin now wasn't so present. And... You know, it's she was going through her journey and just uh, feeling herself and uh, just, you know, processing the way she should process. So that's just great. And it was a great interview. And congratulations to Rob Lowe on having a great podcast. I, I love my fellow podcasters. It's, you know, what a great medium to have Caitlyn Jenner on, one of the biggest stars in the world. Okay, uh, third story of the day, page six. This is a bit of a crazy story. I don't think I've reported about the initial... Uh, beginnings of this, but anyways, it's crazy. Nicole Young actually read this story before I before I hopped over to uh, page six to read. It. I read it on TMZ, but I was on page six just now, like still looking at something, and I thought, oh, okay, this is a good story to read. Okay, Nicole Young seeking close to two million in monthly spousal support from Dr. Dre. I'm going to repeat that. Nicole Young, Dr. Dre's former uh, separated wife to be, I guess seeking close to $2 million in monthly spousal support. Okay, um, that's just like fucking crazy. Uh, who needs $2 million a month? But anyways, he's worth Andrew Mill. Let's read it and we'll dissect. Dr. Dre's estranged wife, Nicole Young, is seeking nearly $2 million per month in spousal support, as well as $5 million in legal fees, according to new court documents filed Thursday in the epic divorce battle between the hip-hop mogul and Young. Attorneys for Young claim in California court papers that Dre should pay... $1.9 million in monthly spousal support and alleged that Young's having trouble paying her bills since her marriage of 24 years broken up. Um, and Dre controls all her assets. Um, yeah, okay. Um, I don't know anyone that needs $1.9 million. <laughs> That's just like crazy. Um, the court papers further allege that the rap star kicked Young out of their 43,000-square-foot Brentwood mansion um, April 1st, in the middle of the night, and in drunken rage, and that he banished Young to their Malibu beach home, but then threatened to sell it and texted her, quote, do not spend one more cent, you can't be mean and disrespectful, spend my hard-earned money, F that. Ooh. The papers went, the papers, excuse me, the papers paint Dre, aka Andre Young, um, as a control freak who, quote, forced Young to sign a prenup on their wedding day under extreme duress, the couple has been battling over the prenup since the filing of the divorce in June. Young also alleges Dre has blocked her Amex charges. Um, the papers assert that Young, who does not work, but claims she, quote, 
played an important role in Dre's career and was integral to naming his hit record label Aftermath, blah, 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 blah. The documents reveal their lavish lifestyle, including five LA residences, multi-million dollar private jet, yacht trips, numerous luxury cars, and an army of staff, including a private chef, 12 security guards, seven housekeepers, and more. I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say, um, bitch needs to come down to earth. I mean, look. I'm not one to shame a gal or a man from their lavish spending or luxe lifestyles because, you know, I get it. Like, I don't spend $1.9 million a month, but, like, I've definitely had months where, like, I have to spend a little more and, like, you know, something, something for myself. But I think in the time of the world that we're living in now where there are literally children in cages and people can't even afford to get bread or eggs or the necessities, Let's not be excessive and let's all come back down to earth. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all going to end up in the ground together. And I know it's hard to sort of see the bigger picture um, of life now because these people are like just uber wealthy. But this to me just seems a bit um, out of touch with reality. And I get it. You become accustomed to a certain lifestyle. I'm sure she's just like literally rolling in doughs and di- rolling in doughs, rolling a dough and like, you know, wearing diamonds, you know, to the bathroom. But I. I Anyways, I, I don't even really know. I just hope this all gets sorted out. And, you know, I, I hope both of them are, you know, just have a roof over your head these days and a simple meal and running water. Like, that's how grateful you have to be. But anyways, okay, our final story of the day also comes from page six. Insiders scoff at Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's reported $150 million Netflix check. Um, Meghan and Harry uh, have a, uh, sort of broke on um, the trades yesterday or the day before that they signed a deal with Netflix to produce and uh, scripted content and shows and whatnot, which is great. I'm very happy for Meghan and Harry that they're um, $150 million richer. If, in fact, that is the number, I'm sure it is because it just makes sense. They're, like, such a hot um, ticket, you know? Well, some reports... Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I just belched. Well, some reports have said that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's production deal signed this week with Netflix could be worth as much as $150 million. Hollywood insiders scoffed at the purported number and said the ex-royals likely got much less. Quote, Grey's Anatomy hitmaker Shonda Rhimes has a reported $150 million deal with Netflix, while blackish creator Kenya Bear's Netflix deal is reported to be worth $100 million. How does Netflix have that much money? That's crazy. Um, hold on. <sighs> so sorry. A top Hollywood talent agent said he'd be, quote, shocked if the ex-royals deal was worth more than $2 million per year. Others agreed and pointed out, quote, they're going to be producers, not content creators like Rhymes. An Oscar-nominated producer told us, quote, Hollywood is all about the comps, meaning comparable salaries around the industry. If I were their agent, I would have asked Netflix to give me the Obama money, not the amount of a proven Hollywood player. Um, it has not been disclosed how much Brock and Michelle Obama made on their Netflix deal or how many years Harry and Meghan's pack will run. They will launch a yet-to-be-named production company, and Deadline reported that in development so far are a nature docuseries, animated series, and celebrating inspiring women. Um, uh, I think that's great. I mean, if if they're getting $150 million for what they're creating and producing, they deserve it. You know, they're... It's also about name value, and Harry and Meghan have such strong, heavy name value. I mean, I'm going to watch what they put on Netflix because not only do I love Netflix, I love them, and I'm just so interested to see uh, their content and you know how they see the world and how they view the world and how they work and operate because I love the royals. But yeah, and also the crown is on Netflix, so I'm sure they're like, um, Harry was probably just like, 
um, you're profiting. Uh, one of one of your most successful shows on Netflix is literally about like my family's legacy. So like, bitch, pay me more. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding about that, but maybe not. <laughs> Who knows? Anyways, you guys, that's um that's the final episode of the week. That's my Friday episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I uh, hope you enjoyed my stories. I'll be back with you Monday. Um, please be safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Uh, be kind to one another. Enjoy everybody's company. You can check out my podcast on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Castbox, um, wherever podcast stream. Um, and yeah, thank you so much once again. And I will chat with you later. Bye, everybody.